Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Paul the Apostle often repeats a thought, if not the exact phrasing, of the important truths that he opens up in his ministry. For example, both Ephesians and Colossians tell us that we must put on the new man. Well, we may think we understand his imperative to put on the new man, but then again, as often is the case, when our understanding has become full and our view adjusted by the light of God's Word, what we think and what the Bible reveals are often not that similar. I believe that such will be the case today for many in our listening audience as we come back to Colossians. And Ron Kangas has joined us once again. Ron, thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here. And I'd like to say this as we begin our fellowship. My being able to share this particular subject mm-hmm. I regard as a sovereign arrangement of God. Because the reason I say this is because in the last two or three weeks, I've been very exercised in studying this matter of the one new man. Mm. And as you know, I was in Moscow recently for a special training. Yeah. And one of the lines of ministry was on the new man. Really? And I'm burdened on this for some upcoming things. And it's just been quite fresh and new to me, not so much in my realization as in my pursuing. But that was mainly in Ephesians. And now to be able to consider this from Colossians, I regard this as a real privilege and an opportunity to pursue the Lord together, that we would be enlightened and supplied concerning what's on God's heart uh, with respect to the new man. Mm. I often appreciate the Lord's sovereign arrangement and how these things work out in the fellowship in these programs. Similar things happen frequently, don't they? They do. It reminds us of this basic realization. There really is a God of heaven and earth. We are under his throne. We're under his administration. He is marvelously sovereign in all the minute details of our life and of our ministry, and we rejoice that it is so. Hmm. Actually, a bit later on, there will be an opportunity to have a little comparison of the two passages, the one you were talking about in Ephesians and what we have today in Colossians, so I think this is very timely. Well, we'll look forward to that in due time. Paul was burdened here that we would put on the new man, and we'll get into the new man and what it really means in a few minutes. But before he touches the putting on, he spends some time with a number of items that first have to be put off. If we look at the verses in chapter 3, he mentions a lot of negative things. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, on and on along that line. But uh, if we come back to the context of this whole life study of Colossians, I think there's a realization that there's uh, not just some negative and sinful things that need to be put off. Isn't that right? 
Yes, that's more than right according to the revelation the Lord gave to Paul. But we are by no means minimizing his very strong speaking about putting off these dreadful things, these seriously degrading things. Mm -hmm. We are in no way bypassing that and minimizing that. But we readily understand that we need to put off sinful things and lustful things. Even uh, an unsaved person could have some realization that we have to put away lying and evil things. And because it's within our natural concept to understand this kind of thing, we're at risk. Why do I say that? Because Paul goes much further to show that we have to put off our entire natural being mm, yeah, with all of its social and cultural involvements and national identity. So not only do we put off these obviously and overtly negative and sinful things, we need the light to see that in the new man there is no room for what we would consider good or what is natural. There is room only for Christ. And we need a tremendous vision. And I rarely use the word tremendous, but I'm using it now because we need a vision that is truly tremendous in showing that God wants a corporate entity called the new man composed of millions of believers. And in this new man, Christ is the unique constituent and there is no room for any natural person. So our putting off is not only a putting off of obviously evil things, it's a putting off of the totality of the old man and all that this involves. This is what we need to see, and this is what we need to realize. And this is what is particularly unique about the message we are considering. The light is really here. The more we're open, the more we will be enlightened to realize something incredibly marvelous concerning God's intention in his economy to have a new humanity constituted with Christ. Okay, Ron, we've been talking about what needs to be put off, both positive and negative. Now, let's get to the putting on part, and here are the two verses or the two passages that we talked about earlier, somewhat parallel from Colossians and Ephesians. In Colossians 3, verse 10 and 11, And have put on the new man, which is being renewed unto full knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, but Christ is all and in all. That's Colossians. Now, in Ephesians 2, verse 15, abolishing in his flesh the law of the commandments and ordinances, that he might create the two in himself into one new man, so making peace. And then later in chapter 4, I believe it tells us again to put on the new man. Ron, it's fairly easy to see obvious things that need to be put off, but it's the putting on the new man part that I think will be very enlightening to most of our listeners today. Don't you agree? I do agree that there is, again, a natural understanding which has even crept into some translations. And I don't recall, we might consider this a little later. Right, we will. 
It's not a matter of just putting on a so-called new self or a new nature. This is putting on a new social life, a new kind of commonwealth existence, a new kind of corporate being, something that is new both in time and in nature, that is corporate and that involves the corporate expression of Christ and the manifestation of the glorious image of Christ as the Son of God and the expression of God. This is arguably one of the highest revelations in the New Testament. And we can only have a preliminary view, but we have to begin somewhere. And so let's begin with this preliminary view with really an open heart and a seeking spirit and a very focused mind that we can be enlightened concerning God's view of this one new man. Okay, let's join Witness Lee. Before the uh, red herd comes to the uh, constituents of the new man, he tells us a lot of putting offs. Putting off these, putting off that, a lot of putting offs. And this means what? This means that in the new man, all the things other than Christ have to go. All the things other than Christ have to be put away. After so much putting away, putting away three category things. The phrasal things, psychological things, the total old man. Put away all the things. Now what? Now, put on the new man. According to the clear vision in uh, Ephesians 2.15, the new man is not some individual matter. The new man is a copy man because there in Ephesians 2.15 it says this new man is created with two different peoples, with the Jewish people and with the heathen people. Out of these two collective peoples, one new man was created. Ron, you mentioned this earlier. I I did do a quick check of a couple of translations before we began our broadcast today. And many translate verse 10 in chapter 3 of Colossians as put on the new self, or in some cases put on the new nature. These sound right according to our concept of uh, what the new man is, but how right are these kind of renderings in light of what the Scripture really reveals here? They are 100% wrong. And this is serious. It's serious for me to say this, but it's even more serious for them to wrongly translate. Uh, The Greek word should be rendered either man or you could say humanity or if you wanted, humankind. But to bring in the thought of a new nature or a new self, that leads the reader astray. And it shows that the translators, although they might know grammar, do not know the truth on this point. We must say this strongly. This is a battle for the truth concerning the new man And the battle has to begin with an accurate rendering of the Word of God into 
in this case, English. Mm-hmm. And we must translate it man or humanity with the realization that this is not something individual like a new self right, or merely something involving our nature, but it involves a totally new corporate humanity. God created originally a corporate humanity that became not only fallen, it became old. That corporate humanity involving billions of people has been terminated through the all-inclusive death of Christ on the cross. Right. And God's intention is in Christ and in resurrection to create and bring into practical existence a totally new corporate man, a new humanity. So to in any way obscure this thought through mistranslation is a serious blunder. And so I make no excuse for speaking in absolute terms about this point. The translation is just plain wrong. And we have to have a radical a revision of it and a complete return to the original language. And I would recommend, even in this gender-sensitive era in which we're living, that we use the word man in a corporate sense, a new corporate man. God's intention is nothing less than an entirely new humanity composed of millions and millions of believers, but all of them are constituted with Christ and all of them have one person living in them and that is not you and it's certainly not me. It is Christ living in us all and expressed corporately through this marvelous corporate entity, the new man. Hmm. Okay, we're going to get to this uh, comparison we talked about between Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, Colossians chapter 3. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Is the new man created or is the new man renewed? According to Ephesians, the new man is created. According to Colossians, the new man is what? Renewed. According to our spirit, or in our spirit, the new man was created. In our spirit, the new man was created. Why? Because before this creation, in resurrection, in our spirit, there was not the spirit of God. There was not the life of God. Something new was added in. Yes, we did have a spirit there before the uh, new creation, in resurrection. Our spirit was there. But in our spirit, there was no divine life. There was not the Holy Spirit. But at the time when the new creation was a carrier in resurrection, the divine life was added into our being. And uh, the Holy Spirit came into our being. Two new elements were added into our being to uh, create a new being. 
That is the new man. In our spirit, the new man is created. But in our mind, in our soul, in our emotion, in our will, even in our body, you have to realize it's not a matter of creation. It is a matter of renewing. The renewing is in our mind, representing our soul. And eventually, when our body will be transfigured, that is also a kind of renewing. So, you can see, on the one hand, in our spirit, the new man was created there with new elements, the divine life and the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, the new man is renewed in our soul. Ron, this is um, quite interesting. Colossians tells us the new man was renewed, but Ephesians says the new man was created. There's more here than just a point of interest, I think. There's a point of discovery. Let's talk about the sense in which the new man is renewed and created. This is not complicated, but it is a little involved, and we need to see clearly. When we were regenerated, born of God in our spirit by the divine spirit, God's life and nature were dispensed into our spirit, and we became parts of the new man. That was the creation of the new man applied to us through regeneration in our spirit. So in our spirit we have the realization of the fact with its finality that the one new man has been created in Christ and that now we participate in this creation with its finality through our having been regenerated in our spirit. But God wants a practical realization of this one new man with us in space and in time. And there are parts of us that are far from new. They are old. Even though we have been regenerated in our spirit, our soul, especially our mind, is old. And in our mind, we may be virtually indistinguishable from unbelievers. Therefore, there is a desperate and pressing need for us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. That's Ephesians 4.23. The new man has to be renewed unto a full understanding That involves the mind. The problem in Colossians is related to the mind of the believers, and their mind had been infiltrated with a kind of wrong knowledge, a philosophical, cultural knowledge. So the mind needs to be renewed, resulting in a full knowledge of Christ as the image of God, which Christ and which image are expressed through the one new man. So to try to bring this together, and I don't apologize for the kind of uh, broad view of this, but now to try to bring it together, in Ephesians 2, we have the creation of the one new man in Christ. In Colossians, we have the outworking of this one new man with peoples who have been regenerated in their spirit with the element of the one new man but who still need to be renewed in their soul, principally in their mind, with the element of the new man, 
And the issue of that renewing is a full knowledge, a full realization of Christ as God's glorious image, the one who is expressed by this corporate new man. So the new man has been created. The creation of the new man has been applied to us through the regenerating spirit. Now this created new man needs to spread into the other parts of our being. That spreading involves renewing. So there is no conflict. Rather, there is a glorious complementarity between the creation of the new man revealed in Ephesians 2 and the renewing of the new man unfolded in Colossians 3. The latter, Colossians 3, is the application and realization of the former, that is, of the creation of the new man in Ephesians chapter 2. Ron, we've got just a minute left. Let's pick up one point in verse 24 in chapter 4 of Ephesians. And put on the new man which was created, and this is the part I'd like to ask you about, according to God in righteousness and holiness of the reality. Let's talk about this phrase as we close. According to God in righteousness and holiness of the reality. This indicates, among many other things, that the creation of the new man and our putting on of the new man is according to God himself in his life and nature with two primary divine attributes, righteousness and holiness. And when we put on the new man by allowing the life and nature of the new man to spread into our being, we will have a practical expression of these attributes of God in our living. And the issue of that will be a marvelous and profound testimony of the divine reality wrought into us and expressed out from within us, and that this is something exactly according to what God is in these attributes of righteousness and holiness. It corresponds to what God is. It is the expression of what God is, not in type, not in symbol, not in metaphor, but in reality. There will be a corporate expression in reality of what God is in his attributes, and that expression depends solely and wholly on the reality and practicality of the one new man. I wish we had more time, Ron. What a subject. Thank you for your help and participation today. And uh, you, of course, have the standing invitation to join us whenever you're able. I appreciate the invitation. I feel we just had an initial start. Yeah. We acknowledge this is something high and marvelous and profound, but we trust that the Lord will, will bless this word to his people for his economy. Well, that is all the time we have today. Uh, We would like to uh, leave you with our toll-free number and invite you to contact us as we do each day. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. And our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to radio at lsm.org. 
And please join us again tomorrow. We continue on a journey through the book of Colossians that has just been, I'll borrow your word, Ron, tremendous, and I think it will continue to be. Thank you for joining us. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. These programs are based on messages Witness Lee gave when he did a comprehensive book-by-book study of the Bible, showing how Christ is life to man. Whether you're hearing these life studies via radio, online, or as a podcast, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. There, you'll find more than 1,700 audio studies covering every book of the Bible. Again, That's lifestudy.com. Thanks again for listening.